All right, welcome back to the show. I'll tell you what, man, the uh, phone lines were just the proverbial jam to the rafters there on our fireworks panel. There are a lot of people wanted to have their say on fireworks, whether they should be banned or not, after a pretty wild weekend of fireworks on Halloween. And lots of calls on both sides of it there. So I get a lot of calls there from people who say, oh, can't we just have some fun and others saying they should be banned everywhere. Make sure you phone me on the buzz line today on that one. Let me know what you think. 604-331-BUZZ is the number. 604-331-2899. I'm joined by Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. It's Baldry's Beat. Got him on the phone today. Hey, Keith. Hey, Mike. Hey, thanks for coming on. We talked briefly about the fireworks issue on yesterday's Baldry's mm-hmm. Beat. I, I encourage listeners to check out the photo I just tweeted. It was just sent to me by a listener. The aftermath of Halloween in one Vancouver park. I, I just checked that photo out. It's a photo of basically a burned out garbage can. It was like a hot time in Halloween in some of these Vancouver parks. At Mike Smith News on Twitter, S-M-Y-T-H. At Mike Smith News on Twitter, you'll find that photo there just sent to me by a listener. Uh, I'm used, I think you argued yesterday for the fireworks ban, right? Well, the ban, I mean, there is a ban. It didn't seem to work. Yeah, right. So it's, it's, I'm not sure banning is uh, the answer. It was extraordinary that the amount of fireworks activity uh, seemed to have exceeded anything we've seen before. And it was not confined in this, you know, one place. You know, we've had places in Victoria, for example, where, which are dedicated fireworks spots. Um, that wasn't the case, I think, this time. This was We're talking a lot of noisemakers, loud bangs, just all through neighborhoods and sort of a random area. And also, uh, I had a number of people contact me saying it was continuing on to like 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. So this was an unusual event. Yeah, I mean, these ain't your daddy's fireworks here. I mean, no. uh, I, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, we'd be running around the neighborhood shooting off cherry bombs and stuff. Uh, they're just little firecrackers, squibs, you know. Yeah, but the, the stuff they got today. Time. Yeah, I mean, it's like, we, you know, we, sounds we like a war footage. zone. We had great footage on Global uh, News Hour last night of uh, three young people, and suddenly one of these little mini bombs landed right behind them, startling oh. the heck out of them um, and, oh. and scaring them. You know, they're on a public street. Okay, let me know what you think about that one on the buzz line today. Keith, lots to talk about here. Let's talk about uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry and her update yesterday. And here's a here's a clip that got a lot of traction on social media, and I know you talked about it in the news hour as well, talking about healthcare workers and the need to get vaccinated, mandatory vaccination for BC healthcare workers. And here's what Bonnie Henry had to say about that yesterday. If now is not the time that you start to believe in the importance and the value of vaccination in protecting people, then I don't know when is. Okay, so a message there to healthcare workers, get with the program. What did you well, think about what she said there? She went even further. Just, at, just after that clip, she said, if, um, if you, you're a healthcare professional and you refuse to get vaccinated, perhaps it's time to find another profession. Yeah. Uh, and she said, frankly, that's that's just that's just it. So that was very tough talk from Dr. Bonnie Henry. She finally basically said what a lot of people are saying when we're hitting 90 percent vaccination rates in general society, 95 uh, percent in in healthcare. Uh, when you've got two to three percent of people refusing to get vaccinated and thinking they're going to remain in their job, she just pointed out to them, no, you shouldn't be in healthcare. Healthcare is based on science, and if you're not going to follow the science, go do something else. It was it was pretty tough talk, and got a lot of notice. Yeah, well, it's not like they have any choice to do to, to do something else, though, right? I mean, if you're on unpaid leave, I mean, basically, you can't work in the healthcare system. Period. Go, go do something else. 
something else outside the healthcare system. There's lots yeah. of jobs outside the healthcare system, and if you're refusing to get vaccinated as a condition of employment, well, too bad. You'll go find something else to do. Okay, the mandatory vaccination for healthcare workers is in place now, and we've seen a small percentage of healthcare workers who declined to get the vaccine, and they're now on unpaid leave. Two point six percent. Two point six percent, which sounds small, right? But then it adds up to like thousands of workers, though. Thirty-three hundred. Yeah, and that number's right. that number's coming down uh, now. It, it does vary from you know Metro Vancouver, very high vaccination rates. Interior in the north, um, lower vaccination rates, and therefore higher unvaccinated. That's why where the workers, uh, where, where the impact of having people off the job is mostly felt in the interior, where you've got a th- more than a thousand workers. Uh, other health authorities have around five hundred or less. By the interior, you know, 6% unvaccination, I think, is the rate there. That translates to more it's, than 1,000 people. That's why you've had to clo- they've had to close operating rooms temporarily in Kelowna General and Royal Inland in Kamloops. It's interesting that she takes a very hard line on the unvaccinated healthcare workers flat out saying, well, go get a different job, you know. But when it comes to BC teachers, there is still no mandate for mandatory vaccination for teachers, even though the teachers' union has said that they would something they would effectively welcome. Uh, last, it's being, that's now been downloaded to each individual school board to, to decide. And last night we saw Surrey, the mm-hmm. Surrey school district vote against mandatory vaccination for teachers. So no vaccine mandate for teachers in Surrey. Your thoughts? Yeah, so, so it's, uh, again, this has been the fact for months now. There's not much evidence of transmission in schools. So when you look at job sites, where mandatory vaccines are in healthcare, there is transmission. I mean, hospitals are, you know, places where things, uh, diseases are rampant in hospitals. Hospitals are a very good place to get infected with all sorts of things. So that includes COVID nineteen. That's why there's vaccination mandates in the healthcare system. In education, there's not a lot of evidence of transmission within schools on the work site. That's why there's not a province-wide vaccination mandate uh, imposed from from public health. And I'll be surprised actually if you see a lot of school boards. Uh, actually impose the vaccination mandate. Surrey, uh, uh, leaning on the argument that there's high vaccination rates in Surrey, White Rock, and surrounding areas, which is true. Um, but again, high vaccination probably means 95%. It means probably 5%, 3% of teachers are unvaccinated in any given situation because it sort of matches the, the levels of general society or, or health care. Uh, which could translate in Surrey, for example, if they were to bring in a mandate and you had only 2% of teachers unvaccinated, that still means losing a number of teachers out of the classroom. Right. And I think that's why the board decided ultimately not to bring it in. Yeah, I got a feeling you might be right there and that you might see other school districts follow suit. Like, we're just not going to get involved with in this. Um, and we'll see if uh, if other school districts do the same as Surrey. No vaccine mandate. My guest is Keith Baldry, Global News. It's Baldry's Beat. Let me play a clip here for you, Keith, of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau speaking this morning in Scotland at the COP26 conference, the United Nations Climate Change Conference. And he made an, an interesting comment here about the carbon tax in Canada. Of course, we got a carbon tax here in B.C. And he's saying, look, we need other countries to do a carbon tax, too. Have a listen to what Trudeau had to say here this morning. One of the things I think we all know needs to come out of COP is a clearer call uh, to create a global standard around putting a price on pollution. Not only will that encourage innovation, give that clear price signal uh, to the private sector uh, that making the right capital investments to transform to lower emissions makes sense, but it also ensures that those who are leading 
on pricing pollution don't get unfairly penalized. Yeah, that was interesting what he said there, that Canada effectively should not be penalized for taking the lead on a carbon tax. It's like around 20% 20 of emissions around the planet are subjected to a carbon tax or some sort of carbon pricing by government. 20%. 20%. So he's saying he wants other countries to get on board with this. Like, hey, China, maybe China should have a carbon tax and India should have a carbon tax instead of Canada going it alone. I don't know. Do you think he's whistling in the wind there or could this come out of something like that come out of COP? Yeah, good luck on that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, the problem with, with COP is China, Saudi Arabia, uh, India, for example, they are, their climate plans are either non existent or they extend far into the future. Uh, it's hard to get a carbon tax in, in uniform across the globe. Canada's challenge at COP, frankly. Uh, Justin Trudeau's talking there, but he's he's basically dwarfed by Joe Biden, Boris Johnson, other world leaders that are there. There's 20,000 people there. It's going to be very hard for Canada to be heard um, in all that cacophony of noise from other countries, particularly countries that are reluctant to really put a price on uh, a cap on emissions or a price on emissions. Keith, I spoke to Kevin Falcon this morning about the sexual harassment allegations that have hit his campaign. Uh, he fired one of his campaign workers yesterday after the campaign manager for leadership rival Michael Lee said she had been harassed, sexually harassed by members of Falcon's campaign. She said there were other people involved. He's only fired one person. Now, he did say he has apologized to her, and he said he's ordered an independent review inside his own campaign. And I, I just asked him this morning, how independent can it be when it, your campaign is bringing in this lawyer to review it? How is that independent? Here's what he told me. Look, we're not, we're not government, so we haven't got all the kind of resources. I'm, I'm just one leadership campaign. And, and what I want to do is try and, as, as quickly as we can, ascertain what happened, uh, what the facts were, get statements, uh, and, and get some recommendations made as, as quickly as possible. I would agree with you it is not a perfect situation, but uh, I don't know of any other uh, thing that we can reasonably do to try and well, address this as quickly well, as we can. Okay, well, I went on to ask him there, how independent is it if, if he's hiring the lawyer effectively to investigate his own campaign? I mean, maybe the, maybe the Liberal Party should get involved in this, and I'm already hearing people in the Liberal Party saying that's what should be done. There should be the Liberal Party should investigate this thing. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a mess. Uh, I'm not sure where it goes after this. Uh, by having a, another in, an ongoing investigation, just guarantees this sort of story sort of stays alive. Um, it's yeah. a, a Liberal Party thing. I'm not sure how much the general public is paying attention to this. But again, this leadership race is so far down uh, low on the radar. Uh, I just don't think it's getting a lot of public traction. But Kevin Falcon has a problem on his hands. Come back to the show as we continue with my guest, Keith Baldry, Baldry's Beat. Uh, phone lines open 604 280 9898, star 9898 on your cell. Nancy in Kelowna. Hi, Nancy. Good morning. Um, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, with regard to the teachers not being vaccinated, I have to say I was jumping up and down with glee when Dr. Bonnie Henry came down so firmly on healthcare workers. I'm a retired nurse, and I just think it's ridiculous for people to be working in healthcare unvaccinated. But getting to teachers, um, if it was a zero transmission rate in schools, I'd, I'd understand, but it's low. And aside from the fact that perhaps we have teachers who don't believe in science teaching our children, um, say you have unvaccinated parents at home, a fairly asymptomatic child comes to school, passes the COVID along to a child of vaccinated parents, 
who take it home to their parents and grandparents and perhaps a family friend who's undergoing chemo. If we have to stop this thing, there are a lot of children in this province who come in contact with a lot of people, and low isn't zero. We have to stop it. You know, if the teachers don't believe in being vaccinated, maybe it's time for them to take a look at the science and the reality of the situation or find other employment. I know there there are substitute teachers who'd be looking for permanent jobs. Nancy, thank you for a very thoughtful call. I appreciate it. Keith, what do you think of that? Yeah, no, some very good points. Uh, this is an evolving situation. Um, you know, we're still sort of near the beginning of the school year than the end, so this this could change. You know, there's, like you know, I've said all along, nothing's ever etched in stone in this thing. Just because we don't have a vaccination mandate for teachers right now doesn't mean we're not going to have one, say, several months from now, depending on the circumstances. If there is evidence of rising transmission in schools, more than what we're seeing today, yeah, I wouldn't rule out bringing in, uh, seeing Dr. Henry bringing in a, a vaccination mandate in schools. We're not there yet. I think the point you raised earlier about, you know, even if you have a small percentage of teachers who are unvaccinated, if they have to let go of those particular teachers in a huge school district like Surrey, where there's 6,000 teachers in Surrey, uh, you're still talking about potentially, you know, I don't know what the, what you have to, I haven't done the math on it, I mean, hundreds of teachers Yep. potentially being let, let go, and that could be disruptive. Then that's why I think boards are going to make the decision not to have a mandate, because uh, the reality yeah. is that uh, even a small a small percentage of a big number still leaves a big number. Right. right. Perfectly said. Dave and Burnaby. Hey, Dave. Hello. Um, good morning. Uh, just in regards to the uh, uh, climate conference they had, I guess, in Glasgow, which I think made everybody laugh when they showed up in 85 limousines and, uh, you know, all flew there, right? Like, I think what it's pretty apparent, you know, India is saying that they'll reduce carbon in 70 years. China's not going to bother. So it's not going to work. What we need to do is concentrate on uh, carbon scrubbers. And there's a couple in British Columbia that have started. There's one in Norway that has started. I think we need to go and stop fooling around with we're going to reduce, we're going to reduce, because it's not going to work. We need to start thinking about removing the carbon from the atmosphere with these carbon scrubbers and concentrate on that and have every country make carbon scrubbers to uh, uh, remove the carbon um, from okay. uh, the atmosphere. Okay, That's the way we need to go. Dave, thanks for the call. Well, there is technology emerging out there, Keith. Uh, we'll see where, how far Trudeau gets in getting other countries to get on board with the carbon tax. He wants it. Tr- he basically wants it tripled. He's hoping that 60% of emissions would be carb- covered by a carbon tax at the end of this conference. Uh, that's a big ask. Countries are driven by their economic self-interest. As much as they say on paper that they want to fight climate change, the reality is they look at back home, all politics is local, and taxes are anathema to many jurisdictions. But we'll see. I, I think you're going to see more buy-in in European countries because that's part of the sort of their fabric is they do have higher taxation there. Tough to get the United States on, on side as a nation. Interesting, though, yeah. I think Jay Inslee from Washington's there. He's advocating having smaller government-to-government uh, programs. So for us, Washington and B.C., for example, come up with their own uh, scheme to fight climate change rather than just depending on the two federal governments uh, coming to uh, an agreement on something.